It is so good to be here with you today, this Sunday. How are you? You look good, as always. I, t- I am so excited it's October. You know why I'm excited? You know why October is an exciting month for me and for all of us? Because it's Mission Month. And every week of this month, we're going to be listening to another work that we support here at Skillman, the good work that's going on overseas, but also within this country, within this city. And I don't know, it's just an amazing opportunity for us, and it gets me excited. And I wanted to thank the Missions Committee for all the work that they have done to prepare for this month. It has been a lot of work, a lot of hours meeting, and I just wanted to thank them uh, for kind of putting this out together and uh, for laying out this vision for us to get excited about as a church. And I can't wait to hear the stories as the weeks continue. And uh, also I'm excited because we are still talking about the Holy Spirit in our sermon series. We're going to continue. Jake has done a, a fantastic job kicking us off in three straight weeks about the Holy Spirit. Many refer to the Holy Spirit in our fellowship as the forgotten God. We don't really talk about the Holy Spirit too much. Uh, But we have dedicated these weeks to kind of gathering together and talking about this and learning and growing and depending on the Spirit for this church to grow and reach where God wants us to. So today, I'd like to start this sermon with a story. A story about a red tractor and a, a big red tractor and a little village. This story is actually... A story, a children's book written by the speaker, the, 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 the author, Francis Chan. And it begins, the setting of this story takes place in a little village. Beautiful village, green hills rolling, and rolling green hills, a beautiful place. And this village had a field. And all the villagers worked the field together to create harvest and food for the entire community. And what they, had a, a, they had an amazing tool because on this field was a big red tractor. And so when it came time to get the field ready, all the village people, they'd walk over to this field and they'd get behind that tractor and some of them would get behind it, some of them would get in front of it, and they would push that tractor down the field, up and down, up and down. Some would be pulling as hard as they could, some would be pushing And every day, depending on the strength of the people, sometimes they got 10 feet, sometimes they got 20 feet, but every day they'd gather together as a group and they'd push that tractor on that field. And they worked so hard that they got it ready just in time for the rainy season. The field was ready to be planted, so they would plant the seeds, and then the rains would come, and the the vegetables would grow, and they would have just enough food to feed the entire village. Well, one day, one of the farmers who was one of the ones that pushed this tractor. This farmer, he was up in his attic one day cleaning up, and he was going through some old boxes, and he looked at the very bottom of one of the boxes was the owner's manual for this tractor. And he began to start reading this owner's manual page by page, and he was captivated because he learned that this tractor, this big red tractor, actually had a motor and actually ran on its own. And so he was so excited that he went down and he told the village people, guys, I got great news. This tractor, this big red tractor, it has a motor. And if we can fix it, if we can figure out how to make it work, we're not going to know what to do. It's going it's to be able to go on its own. Well, no one believed him. They laughed at him and said, no, no, we've been doing this for years. We've been pushing this tractor for years. 
And you know, each, each, de- each generation, they had their strengths. Sometimes they had really strong people and they would push it more and some people didn't have it. But there's no way this has a motor. This is what's always been done. Well, he just kept reading this owner's manual. Finally, one day he woke up early and said, I'm going to figure this thing out. So he goes to the tractor and there was a key there. And he turns that key and the motor starts to go. And all of a sudden, he gets on there and he plows that field back and forth. And he gets all the way done with this field before the village people even wake up. And they go and they say, oh my goodness, all these years we've been pushing this tractor. And all along it had this motor. And that year they were able to plant so much, so many seeds and harvest so much fruit that they were able to give this harvest to those, their neighbors, and those that were around them. Well, if you haven't figured it out already, this story is an analogy. And in this story, the big red tractor is the church. And for years, and for years, and for years, people, the village people, thought that they'd been pushing this tractor, this church, by their own hands, using human capital the talent of individuals to move this church along. And it's so easy to get, to get caught into this trap in thinking that this church runs just on human capital alone. I mean, so many churches grow dependent upon the human efforts to push this, orga- this organization, this group, this family forward. I mean, our strategies to get this church to, to plow the field that the tractor, sometimes our strategy is just, well, we need to get the most talented speakers. Or we need to find the right planners, the, the businessmen, the, the right worship leaders. We need to find the right person that can help push this tractor so they can do its work. But if you read Scripture, if the story of Scripture says anything, it's a different story about this red tractor. Scripture tells a story of a church that is unstoppable. That is fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. A church that took life, that took a life of its own. Like a fire that was raging, it couldn't be quelled. No one could stop the growth of the church. And part of the frustration, and I think part of the reason why we see declining numbers in churches across the nation, across the world, is that sometimes churches just seem so fragile. The churches in the Bible, if you read this story, it's so unstoppable, it's going, it has its life of its own. But our churches sometimes seem so stoppable. You take away this person. Or you have this controversy. Or you botched this program and the whole thing is on the verge of collapse. But if we read in scripture, in the Bible there is something supernatural about this group, this church. Something powerful. There is something that is moving the entire story along. I mean, if you look at the book of Acts, and if you would turn there to Acts chapter 1... We see a story of a church that in the span of 30 years starts with a group of 120 people in the city of Jerusalem and expands all the way to the Roman Empire within a span of 30 years. 
How in the world did this happen? How did this tractor, how did it mow the field so easily? What was the motor that was driving this whole thing? Well, in the book of Acts chapter 1, right before Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, in verse 7 and in verse 8, Jesus says to his disciples, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Just imagine if you were one of the disciples. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. And Jesus has the audacity to tell you that you are about to be a part of a movement, a revolution that will start in Jerusalem, that will end in the ends of the earth. I mean, can you imagine what they thought? How in the world could this be possible? We are just fishermen. At this point in time, there was just 120 believers I mean, Jesus is talking about a revolution, something that would change the very fabric of the world. It would be one that would look in the face of the religious establishment and challenge that. How in the world were they going to do that? How in the world could they carry out this amazing task that Jesus laid before them? But Jesus was very clear, wasn't he? Jesus says that he was going to build this church in that he was going to do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. The power. The word in Greek for power that's used here is dunamis. Dunamis is the word in Greek that's used to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the same root word that is used to describe dynamite. An explosion, a power, a force. And what is this force? This force is the spirit. And in Greek, the word for spirit is pneuma. And pneuma is used throughout the book of Acts 69 times. Pneuma is the hero of the story. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, this pneuma makes a grand entrance. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, with Numa, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And if you were to read the entire story of Acts verse after verse, chapter after chapter, you will see that the Holy Spirit is the engine that moves this machine forward. The Holy Spirit is the power, it's the engine, it's the instigator that moves the gospel from Jerusalem all the way to Rome. The Spirit is what opens the doors. The Spirit is what closes the doors. The Spirit is what gives words and boldness in the the mouths of people and the apostles. And the Spirit is what allows opportunities to take place. The Spirit is the hero 
of this beginning story of the church. In fact, on Tuesdays, here at the church building, there's a ladies' Bible class that meets. And I would argue this is one of the best Bible classes that this church offers. These ladies are smart. So this is a quick plug. Tuesdays at 10 o'clock, if you want to learn the Bible and you are a lady, you are invited to the ladies' Bible class here. It's absolutely amazing, this, these discussions. But I've had the opportunity to teach a few classes, and they're going through the book of Acts right now. And I was able to do the first lesson, and we talked about this Acts, this book of Acts, and how the Spirit is the overwhelming hero of this text. In fact, if you were to look at the title of this book, if you could go back and put a couple of pages, what in your Bible is the name of this book? What does it say? The Acts of the Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles. And in this latest Bible class, and we talked about how that is a horrible name. It should be changed. It was a bad idea, whoever put that name on there. Because this story... The word acts of, it's a particular genre of literature that was found in the ancient Near East, the first, second, and third century. And when a heroic event took place, when something amazing happened, someone would write a story about it, and the hero, it would be the acts of, and the hero would be that, that name that would follow acts of. So, for example, if the story was on Hercules, how Hercules did this amazing thing, the name of the book would be The Acts of Hercules. If Bill Hogan did something amazing and we wrote a story about it, it would be The Acts of Bill Hogan. But let me ask you this. Who is the hero in the book of Acts? The Spirit. The apostles don't know what they're doing. The apostles mess up time and time again. Thankfully, the Spirit is there to recover them and give them the strength and boldness. But who is the hero in the book of Acts? It's the Spirit. The Spirit is the instigator. The Spirit is the, mo the mover and the shaker. It's the motor. And if we were to change the name right now on your Bible, cross it out and write Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because that is the true hero of this text. In Acts, the apostles are not the ones that are pushing the tractor. In Acts... This tractor, the motor of this tractor, is taking these apostles on an incredible ride, an incredible adventure. It, there was something supernatural about this. And you know, logically, if you were to look at the ingredients, the human capital, this shouldn't have taken place. This shouldn't have happened. Logically, this should have failed. One of my favorite chapters in Acts, talking about the role of the Spirit, is Acts chapter 4, when Peter is there before the Sanhedrin, Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. And in chapter 3, they had just healed somebody, and so they got in trouble by the religious authorities because they were preaching the resurrection. And so he is, they're there, and the Sanhedrin get before him, and they said, how could these uneducated men, unschooled, uneducated men, how could they speak such truth? And they tell them, you are forbidden to say anything more about this resurrection, about Jesus. And one of my favorite lines in Acts chapter 4 is when they, they say that they, in verse 20, I know that you say that we're supposed to be quiet, but, for, but we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. 
we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we are heard. And at the very end of chapter 4, the disciples are there. And they've gathered together after this meeting and they say a prayer together. A prayer of boldness, a prayer of faith. And in verse 29 of chapter 4, it tells the tail end of this prayer. It says, now, Lord, this is the prayer of the disciples. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In verse 31, after they prayed... The place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke of the word of God boldly. Church, may this be our prayer today. May this, at the Skillman family, may this be our prayer that the Holy Spirit can work within this family to do great things. We know there's going to be persecution. We know there's going to be drawbacks. We know there's going to be those that don't connect with this message. But may we pray for boldness. May we pray for boldness in the midst of this amazing opportunity we have. Because if you look at the task before us, it may seem overwhelming. Look at the flags that are around this church. Look at the the community that we have around us, the opportunities that we have. When we look at the mission that this church has, there's a part of me and maybe a part of you that feels overwhelmed. Overwhelmed at this amazing task before us. I see this field that is open, and I see this big red tractor, and I see us trying to push it, push it, push it. And it's not going very far. Ten feet some days, twenty feet some days. But may we pray that we can understand this motor. Let this be our prayer, Spielman Church. May we pray that the Holy Spirit can work through us as we, as we approach and, uh, these challenges. May we pray for boldness. I have two more stories that I want to share with you that inspired me about this very line of, of people who have trusted in the Spirit to take things that were small, that didn't seem that they would work, and and the Spirit has done amazing things so far. The first, of course, is Friends Speak. How many of you are volunteers for Friends Speak? Raise your hand a little bit higher so we can see you. What an incredible story of a way that that God is using this community. You know, Marion Holster, she came to the elders and to the ministers several months ago. She said, I got this idea. She said, what's the idea, Marion? I had this idea that we're going to teach, well, we're going to have conversation English for people in the community. Well, that's good, Marion. Well, how are we going to get the word out? Well, let's put a sign on the corner of our, <laughs> of our lawn. And so we took it to, we, we had some, you know, marketing people, and they came up with these proposals of these flags and, you know, banners. And we were going to have, you know, inflatables outside to kind of get the word out. Because that's what every, you know, marketing class teaches you about get the word out. But, you know, Marion was pretty, pretty steadfast and pretty clear that, no, we're not going to do any of that, <laughs> that stuff. All I want is a white sign outside that says, practice your English here. 
and to confess, I thought it wouldn't work. I thought, oh, who in the world is going to see a sign driving down the road and call the church? Who is gonna, who's going to do this? And I had committed myself to walking alongside Marion when it failed. And comfort her. <laughs> and encourage her. And say, that was a great idea. God loves you. But we all know this thing has taken a life of its own. And we have readers coming in each Wednesday night. We've never had more people on Wednesday night in years. And I asked Marion permission to share the story, and, and she graciously sent me an email. It kind of shares a little bit of the richness of what the Holy Spirit has done and God has done through this ministry. She says, we put up our sign on May 4th and received our first phone call on May 16th. So that was how many days? 12 days where we just waited there. And seriously, I thought that no one would, no one would call. Nobody would call. But currently, we have 28 students. And we received two referrals Wednesday. We have 40 of our members who have volunteered to be teachers. Everyone is having fun. And everyone is learning. It is a blessing to hear the chatter and laughter when our teams meet. From the beginning, I have told everyone that the most important person in the study session is the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit has done an amazing job of matching students and volunteers. One of our students says she has been in this country for 25 years and has never felt as welcomed or comfortable as she does with us. One of our students has gone home to China to her job as a university professor. But she is continuing to study with Susie every week via WeChat. Last week, she told Susie that she is not a talkative person, but likes to say everything to her and thinks she has met the right person. She is not a Christian yet, but is reading through the Gospels. She has read through Luke and John. The Holy Spirit is working through this ministry to encourage and energize our students and volunteers. Cheryl Turner said it's putting a zip in everybody's doodah. That's a good quote. And the world has come to our doorstep. We have students on Wednesdays from Spain, from Mexico, from Argentina, from El Salvador, from Nigeria, Ethiopia, and China. To God be the glory. Can you believe this? All that was, I mean, it goes against every idea of marketing. To put just a sign on the lawn and a number. But that's how the spirit works. That's how the motor in the tractor works. Is it takes things that we can't do, that we've pushed so far. And it moves in amazing ways. Second story. Dallas May, Zimbabwe. Water project. He came to me and the ministers several months ago and said, I got this idea. You know, I want to take a trip to Zimbabwe next summer. And I want to bring a bunch of college kids to come with me to serve in this capacity. And I want to have these kids get to know these college kids and invite them to, to be here and serve in the church. And it's the same thing. I was saying, Dallas, I'm with you. But deep down, I knew it was going to fail. 
I mean, we said, how are you going to reach out to the college kids? Well, I was going to send some emails out. Well, well what are they going to do? Well, they have to fill this application, and they have, to, they have to come and serve. There's no way that these good college kids would, would come, but, but the Spirit has worked because he sent in an invitation for people to come to an informational meeting. And I was there, Matthew Claybrook was there, and I was there just to support Dallas when nobody would show up. And, hold, and say, hey, Dallas, I'm proud of you for trying something new. I'm, I know that was going to fail, but good, you know, we need more people like you to try things. Well, that day, 12, how many people were there? The, the, the intro, intro, intro meeting? 12 people showed up, and all of them applied for this program. And right now, there are six college students that are going to be going to Zimbabwe with Dallas next summer and two of them are right there and they helped serve coffee this morning here at the church can you believe this i don't i can't explain it you can't you can't draw this up it goes against the rules of marketing the only way to explain it is there's something going on there's something supernatural happening you see the church we are a spiritual entity we are a spiritual group. We're not like other organizations like Nike and Google and Uber and Facebook. That all they need is to hire the right people and the right salary, have the right mission statement, the right vision, put the things in place, and they sell and they make. We are not like that. We are a spiritual group. And Jesus was very, very clear that we as Christians are not to do things seek things the way the pagans do. We are a different group. Jesus was clear about that there's something special about the spiritual group. There's something that puts us apart, and that is the spirit, the pneuma, the motor that is driving this whole thing. Our prayer is that the spirit can work in this church Yesterday, or last week, the elders put this graph on the board and challenged us all to enter into a time of prayer. This wasn't meant to discourage or, or demean anything. This was meant to encourage us to put this group in a state of prayer. Let's pray that the Spirit can work here and now within this church. Let's pray that the Spirit will work and let's enjoy the ride. Let's pray for boldness and opportunities Let's be like Marion and let's be like Dallas and take chances with ministries that we know deep down in our heart are good ideas. And we just need someone to take the initiative and go. Throughout this series, we've had this fire behind us as the, as the graphic. And it's a, it's a great way to describe this spirit because when a fire is going uncontrollably, you can't, con you can't contain it. And that is our prayer here and now in this church. Our prayer is that the Spirit can work like a fire within us all. And that he, the Spirit can allow this revolution to take place within us. Right now, we are going to sing a song that addresses this desire for God to light the fire in our hearts. And may we as a church, may we sing that song with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. May we go home and may we all dedicate this week, next week, the week after to praying for this church. 
just like the prayer in Acts chapter 4 to pray that the Spirit will work in incredible ways among the Skillman family. And while we sing, if you are moved to, to need prayers, if you are moved to, to ask for something that, that we can pray for as a community, we'll be here, the elders will be here on the side. If you're moved to want to be a, a disciple of Jesus through baptism, we are here also to receive you and to, to, to show you this incredible man that we serve, Jesus Christ. Why don't we come, why don't we stand together and sing this amazing song, asking God to light the fire in our hearts.